gosh, the good days are amazing. Like, and they happen quite often, you know, the good comes with the bad, but the good days honestly, like make the job reinforcing itself. Just having your kiddo have such a strong bond with you, you know, it's something that you just, I've never experienced before. It's, it's truly amazing. Welcome to the Day in the Life series, presented by the BT Focus podcast. Today we meet Marissa and follow her BT journey. Entering the field, fueled by a love for psychology, to now in her current role as an RBT. I think you'll see from our conversation with Marissa what it means to teach from a place of joy. Be sure to stick around for part two of this episode and another great addition of the Day in the Life series. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. Hello and welcome back to a very special Day in the Life edition of the BT Focus podcast. I am joined by just an incredible behavior technician named Marissa. Marissa, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Brian. I'm so excited for today. Well, I've so enjoyed, you know, getting to know you over the past couple of weeks and hearing more about your story. And I I just want to start from the very beginning. Let's start, you know, let's rewind a bit. Marissa, how did you find yourself entering the field of ABA? What were you doing beforehand? And how did you decide to make this decision? I mean, ABA really wasn't a goal ever in my life. I wasn't like, oh, one day I'm going to be an ABA therapist. You know, it just kind of fell into my lap. Um, luckily. So before ABA, I, I've done quite an odd number of jobs. I've been a waitress when I was quite younger. And then after that, I um, actually worked with dogs and did some dog behavior. And then after that, I worked at a real estate agency. And all the while I was going to school for psychology. So, you know, I really wanted to get into the field of psychology. So I'm like, how do I jump that leap to get into the field? So I found Century is opening for an ABA therapist and I'm like, well, this is perfect. So I applied and then did an interview and then I talked to a wonderful woman named Noelle and she said, she asked me some questions, of course, you know, she's like, well, do you like children? I'm like, of course I love children. You know, I'm a big kid. I'm fit right in. So that was a definite plus. And, um, she said it's a lot about working with kids who have special needs. You have to um, work with their behavior. And I'm like, well, this is perfect. You know, psychology completely. So once I talked to her, she said that they really needed an RBT because of insurance needs for the client. And I was all on board. I was like, if I can help a family in need, I will totally do it. So she said there was quite a bit of testing. You had to go through an exam. You had to do some training. So it was going to be a little bit of a process, and which I did. So it took about a couple months, and then I became certified, and we were able to start. So it was so awesome. Wow. I was able to help the family, yeah, and it was just so good to be able to help someone and know that I was helping a child. It was just, it was such a good feeling, and it's just, it's really rewarding going into this position, knowing that you're going to help some someone in need. Yeah, 
Incredible. There, so there's two things that you said that I want to touch on that I, I that really resonated with me. The first one being, and this totally I can relate to, is that, you know, going through high school and even through college, being a behavior technician was not a career goal of mine either. I didn't know what a behavior technician was, right? <laughs> I, I, I can remember many, many moons ago, I was in a, I think I was a senior in high school and I was taking a psychology class and I loved it. But the, the teacher said something that stuck with me that was very misguided. And, and this person essentially said, you know, psychology, you, you can't get a job with a bachelor's degree in psychology, right? <laughs> Wrong, right? Wrong. So, but, but so this teacher's, you know, I'm going to use air quotes here, advice, it really kind of changed my trajectory in a sense, because I think just like you, had I continued to pursue that passion of psychology, I would have found ABA much quicker. I ultimately did. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of fell into the field serendipitously, but um, that was not, not good advice. I remember no. I took three psychology courses in undergrad. My major was exercise science. I was going the PT route. And ironically, the psychology courses, the, the education-based courses were the ones I loved the most. But in the back of my mind, I had that little voice that, you know, you can job the bachelor's degree job. <laughs> yeah so word of advice college in, in high school students you absolutely can get an incredible yeah. job you, um, yes. with, with your diploma and your degree and thankfully yes. I'm seeing so much more of an awareness and a presence of what AB is on a on a college campus but I, I mean I would love to see as ABA becomes more mainstream and widespread and well-known like this needs to be taught in high school psychology courses because our science has been around for decades and the evidence of our science is so abundant. We need to start spreading the word much sooner, right? Think about all the amazing potential behavior technicians we have that just, they never, they, they're not in the field because they never heard about it, right? right. So uh, right. very good. Definitely. So that was the first thing. Yeah. That was my first comment, <laughs> Marissa. Second thing, yeah. I want to give you like some mad props, mad shout out because what you just said is you you became an RBT like right as you entered the field, which I would say is somewhat uh, rare and very impressive. Because tell me what was the process of becoming an RBT? Because I want to say like why that's particularly unique. Oh, thank you. Well, yeah, it, it was a little difficult, but I just knew the reward was going to be worth it. So you start off by taking a 40 hour training. And so after that 40 hours is completed, then you do some other kind of trainings. You apply to take the exam and then they tell you a date. And because of COVID, I did take it online. I don't know if they're still doing that where you don't go in person, but yeah, if it wasn't COVID, I would have had to go in person and um, <clears throat> you take it all in one block. I mean, some of it was like things that was in the training. Some of it was a little like more, I think, just like scenario based, but I passed and it, it went yeah. great. So it was so awesome to see that letter. Congratulations, you've been certified. I was like, yay, yeah. awesome. So then we could get started with the family. And I was like, this is just so amazing. And the family was so thrilled because they had been waiting a long, long time. So it yeah. was just really awesome all around. Absolutely. Yeah, you're exactly right. So the the exam is much more applying the concepts that you learn in your 40 hour training, but yeah, much more scenario based experiential based questions. And I, I just thought it was really remarkable and very impressive to hear that you passed without first entering the field because I was thinking about an analogy. It's like, that's kind of like 
you know, a, a doctor becoming a surgeon without ever doing any surgeries before, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. You, you, you did the really hard next step of applying <laughs> what you learned, like really before you entered, which is the case in some instances. But for me, I mean, I, I look back and I was kind of lucky in the sense that I was, I think, in the field for six or nine months. So I, I had some of that real world application experience that I could draw from. Uh, but right. you, you know, you took the road less traveled and congratulations. <laughs> That's such an accomplishment. And um, I just love your, I love your attitude of like, I really want to help this family. So I'm going to take the challenging steps to, to seek out the certification and obviously encourage all of our staff to pursue their RBT. That's such an incredible opportunity. So very oh, good, Marissa. So, yeah. so let's just fast forward a bit. So you, you entered the field, you became an RBT, like right off the jump. And then like, let's talk about like how that has evolved over time. And looking <laughs> at your job now, Marissa, what do you love about being a behavior technician? What do your good days look like? Oh my gosh, the good days are amazing. Like, and they happen quite often, you know, the good comes with the bad, but the good days honestly, like make the job reinforcing itself. Just having your kiddo have such a strong bond with you, you know, it's something that you just, I've never experienced before. It's, it's truly amazing. Just my kiddo, especially sometimes when they get upset, you know, they'll come to me first. And it's so awesome that they're coming to me for that emotional support. And it just, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel wanted. It makes you feel needed, you know, and it, and it makes you feel like you're really making a change in their life because what we do is really, I feel like it's changing their life, you know, it for the better. So it's just, that's how it's just really rewarding in that sense, I guess. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And like, what a privilege it is to be that person that someone can lean on for support. And you said mm -hmm. something else earlier that I also agreed with completely in the sense of you get to kind of be a kid again, yeah. <laughs> in, a, oh, in yeah. a lot of cases. And like, yeah, when I'm when I'm, you know, in the field and, and working with a, a younger learner or even an adolescent learner, finding those common interests and being able to just ex experience that joy with them anew every single time. So what are some examples of the ways that like you get to, you know, express your your inner youth, right? Or like some of the fun oh activities gosh. that you build into therapy? Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I mean, all bets are off. You get to just be as creative as you want to be, you know, be as goofy as you want to be. And I have no problem with that because they love it. So it's like, all right, let's just have fun today. And then just, you know, pretend play. That's really actually helped um, my kiddo grow in a sense too, as a tool to kind of grow their imagination. And it's really helped their communication. So now they're really starting to kind of use that different kind of communication. And it's really good. I love it. It's so much fun. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And this is something that I'll talk about like in staff training. And it's this very foundational element of have fun. Like if you are having fun within therapy, the likelihood of your learner having fun and being engaged is so much greater. And be creative. I think that's one of the things yeah. I love about being a behavior technician and, and working with behavior technicians. You get to use your own creativity to find ways, we'd say, to contrive or to make these learning opportunities and make them as fun as possible. I don't think yeah. this is said enough, but fundamentally, ABA should develop a love for learning 
for our, our yes. clients, right? Because it's so rich in reinforcement. So be silly. This is like, you, you have full permission to be silly. If your client loves Paw Patrol, I, I recommend you learn a lot about Paw Patrol yeah. and, and Chase and, and, and Rocky and right. uh, the whole crew, right? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> uh, and bring it out because, I mean, that's where that creativity, that pretend play, that's where it's really a great building block for communication skills, for social skills. So be yeah. silly, be fun. Uh, yeah. We we were joking around a little bit about this when we were talking before, Marissa, about just like fun therapy accessories that we would use from time to time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I was joking around about, you know, back in the day, I had these, like we call these fr the frequency counters. It's just a really simple device that you click and it, and it counts, right? <laughs> yeah. You click it, one, two, three. How many sign language, you know, mans were there today? Click, click, click. How many, you know, requests do we have today? Click, click, click. It's a qu easy, quick way for us to count things to take mm -hmm. data. And, you know, right. you know, way back when, That's that awesome. was how I took data. So, but I, I don't so awesome. have like one, I had like four, <laughs> five, and they were like on my belt loop. So I joke around. I was like Batman, whipping around my you know my frequency counters, reinforcing everything. But but Marissa, I, I think you have me beat. Do you mind sharing what new new uh, therapy accessory you've been rocking? And I, I just I am so impressed, and I'm kind of jealous. So so uh, enlighten us. You know, I I think I'm bringing Fanny back. You know, I, yes. I think everyone. <laughs> I think everyone should start sporting the fanny because my fanny yeah. pack, it's metallic purple. It's pretty cool, but yeah, it holds, yeah, it holds all the necessary reinforcers, my Skittles, if I, if, if they're needed, you know, and then whatever I need, I got my fanny pack. It's right there, ready to go. <laughs> it's accessible. It's functional. It's yeah. stylish. I might even add. Yes. Yeah. You're you're making a compelling case to bring the fanny pack back, and I yeah. and I fully support it. I'll go one Thank step you. further. If any, you know, people who are into making merch and swag, if mm -hmm. anyone makes a BT Focus fanny pack, I will be the first one in line to to buy it to. Oh, me too. <laughs> promote no. it. That's pretty sweet. So that is like yeah. next level, very impressive feat, and uh, that's awesome. And I I honestly think oh, I am witnessing a fanny pack resurgence. So you are you are leading the cause. I think so too. I've seen a few people with them and I mean, they're just, they're multifaceted. There's many yeah. good uses for them. They're stylish, you know. I love it. I'm a father <laughs> of three small children, so I am always looking for a good hack. Um, I never have enough hands, right? I, I literally have more children than I have hands. So if I can <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> find a way to expand upon that, uh, I'm down. So, okay. Nice. Okay. Well, maybe after the show, you give me some good fanny pack recommendations and I can do it. I will. Them. I definitely will. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Well, well, next to transition a bit. So we were talking a bit before about, you know, some of the, the different elements of your role and one important topic that came up is, you know, as behavior technicians, yes, we are working with our clients every day to support their skill development, but they're not the only other individuals that we work with on an ongoing basis, mm -hmm. right? And we were talking about the importance of communicating with and collaborating with families as well. Um, Marissa, what's been your perspective and experience about the importance of not only to engage with our clients, but also the family as a whole as well? Yeah, I mean, you're not only servicing the client, you're servicing the family because the family is just as important as the client. 
I mean, if you go into a session and totally disregard the family and their well-being and how they feel, you know, with what you're doing or what's going on during that session, that can totally off-put, you know, a certain parent. And so it's really good to get their opinion sometimes or just be kind of aware of how they're feeling. Because like I said before, you know, we get permission before we do something that might be messy. After all, you're in their home. I mean, unless you're in a center. So it's, it's just polite and courteous to, you know, ask like, hey, is it okay if we get this big bag of rice out and put it in this bin, even though they might have bought it for that purpose? It's just polite, I believe, you know, to kind of ask like, hey, is it all right if we do this right now? But I, I just think it's really a sign of respect and kind of like, you know, it, it really makes them feel like they don't have a total loss of control. It's like, oh my gosh, they're in my house and they're just doing whatever they want to do, you know? So just building kind of a relationship if you can, it's really helpful. Yeah. You, you, you struck on some like really important elements. The first is just the, I would say the service aspect of our role and really working to develop a, a strong rapport with our families. And I think one of the best ways we can do that is just, as you said, showing that respect, showing that courtesy taking the time to make sure, mm -hmm. you know, before you leave for your session that you've cleaned up any of the materials that you were working yeah. on that, in that day, yeah. right? Greeting them when you arrive. But then I also think there's just the importance of that communication aspect and sharing with them what you were working on during that day mm -hmm. or um, mm -hmm. relaying any questions that the, the family has to your BCBA so you can discuss as a team. Because I think an important aspect to note is that in order for our clients to be the most successful in life, what we're working on within therapy has to generalize into other settings, right? Yes. And at most, maybe we're providing intensive services. We're providing 20, 30, maybe upwards of 40 hours of services per week. But this family is then going to be with that child the other 100 plus for the week, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to be really good models of our science and our technique and our practices. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the huge benefits of working in home is just embedded within therapy is just that natural opportunity for the parents to observe our services and to, to see different mm -hmm. techniques that we're using and seeing how we're providing instructions and praise and reinforcement and prompting when necessary. So, so yeah, I think the other big part of it is just the extension of our services and being that great model for our families. Any yeah. other thoughts related to that? Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's that's 100% it. I mean, and I think it also goes the other way around too, because I'm lucky enough to learn from my kiddo's mother. She has some great things that she does with the kiddo. So I've learned from her in some instances. So I've picked that up and now we are both on the same, you know, playing field. We're both using the same approach for, you know, the behavior. So that's really good to be using the same kind of techniques to be doing the same thing if you can. So that way it's consistent. So yeah, that's, yeah, yeah both ways really. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing. I'm glad you brought that up, Marissa, just consistency across um, individuals that support our clients. And I, I look at like our behavior technicians as really like an ambassador of sorts, mm -hmm. right? Of, of yeah. ABA. And you'll find over time, you know, depending on the needs of your client, that could extend not just to family of the client, but also other members of the treatment team or other members of the support system around their family. So over the years, I've worked with everyone from, you know, OT to speech to teachers or special educators. And I think the way that we can really support 
our client is just being a really great representation of what we're about within ABA and then sharing that message and, and modeling that message in a way that's consumable and accessible and um, just really being passionate about what we can do in our science. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Be sure to stick around for part two of Marissa's story and another edition of the BT Focus podcast.